Hello everyone, welcome back to the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine's Sports Medcast podcast in collaboration with the BJSM. I am Caitlin Mooney and we are back for part two of addressing childhood obesity. Let's welcome back Dusty Narducci. In part one, we cover the prevalence, implications, causes, screening, and assessment of childhood obesity. Caitlin, it is a pleasure to be back for part two. Yes, we covered a lot in part one, so let's get going. At what point would you recommend intervening? When to intervene is a really tough question. Prevention is key, so as soon as possible in every situation. Interventions, even in one child, may help the family and therefore prevent obesity in siblings. Keep in mind that to be successful, the recommendations must be understood by the child possible and, of course, the family. I begin with determining weight goals for the child, which is determined by the child's age and severity of obesity, in addition to related comorbidities. The less severe cases may benefit from education and weight maintenance, whereas the severe cases will need a well-constructed weight loss plan and strict follow-up visits. Although there's little evidence to support this practice, expert opinions suggest that a weight loss of one pound per month is safe in children between 2 and 11 years old. Whereas weight loss of up to two pounds a week is safe in adolescents with severe obesity and comorbidities. Once you determine the child's weight loss goal, how do you move forward? Do you use the expert committee on the assessment, prevention, and treatment of child and adolescent overweight and obesity stage approach? And how often do you follow up with these children? I'm a huge advocate of the stage approach and have used it to create my own management strategy. So I use my three M's. Manners, menu, and movement. Manners, which is behaviors, menu for nutrition, and movement for physical and sedentary activity. So the intervention with the most promising research have included motivational interviewing with parental participation. So I begin with educating the family and child about the importance of preventing the development of obesity. Knowledge is really powerful here. So I focus not only on the child but also the family's behavior or manners, part of my three M's, to assist me in making a structured weight management program. Programs will need to be individualized and the goals need to be precise, possible, practical, and proven. Yes, I have another acronym, the four P's of making a successful goal, precise, possible, practical, and proven. So depending on the severity and response to the structured weight management program, I will often add in other care professionals as needed. This includes dietitians, psychologists, physical therapists, and pediatric obesity specialists. How about diet? So currently, we don't have a consensus on what the best dietary strategies for weight loss are in children. I begin by determining where the excessive calories are coming from, really evaluating where is this energy density in their diet. Is it excessive intake of calories, large portions, high-calorie fluids? Does their diet have high percentages of fat or carbohydrates? And then really reducing high-fat foods, snacks, sugary beverages, in addition to increasing the amount of fruits and vegetables have shown a lot of positive outcomes. So figure out if there is a knowledge deficit regarding nutrition or if the child and family are not ready for a lifestyle change. Sometimes they're unable to monitor the child's weight or unwilling to adhere to a plan. Sadly, our current research has shown that these behaviors, regardless of what you do, don't really continue at long-term follow-up. And how about addressing physical activity? 
So physical activity goals should be determined by the child's age, personal preferences, and exercise tolerance. Various organizations have specific recommendations on how many minutes children should spend being physically active. Children should be active for at least 60 to 120 minutes a day, with screen time being limited to less than two hours per day for children older than two years of age. Are there any other recommendations about physical activity? So I encourage families and children to participate in organized sports or performance arts. If children struggle to find an activity that they enjoy, I recommend something called the trial and error approach, which allows the child to be directly involved in the decision-making process until they find something that they enjoy. Remember, exercise and physical activity is essentially supposed to be fun, especially if you're a kid. Oh, and don't forget about strength training programs for children and adolescents. That's really important. Thank you for mentioning strength training programs. Wasn't there a recent recommendation and publication on resistance training for children and adolescents? June 6, 2020, Resistance Training for Children and Adolescents was a great manuscript that came out. So this report is a revision of the 2008 American Academy of Pediatrics policy statement. It reviews basically the current information and research on the benefits and risk of resistance training for children and adolescents. There's a lot of AMSSM affiliates here, so definitely take a peek at this document. Thanks for that recommendation. It can often be hard for children to find something they enjoy. I like the trial and error approach. In your experience, do children benefit more from organized sports, fitness class, or solo activities? So I hate giving the politically correct answer, but in all honesty, it depends on what the child is interested in and what they're actually going to do. But also you have to take into account financial and time constraints. So personally, I find value in organized sports for so many reasons, but also I like fitness classes and solo exercises. And if a child can do all three, could you imagine the social, emotional, and physical benefits? It would be outstanding. I do want to mention the studies have found that children and adolescents involved in physical activity may actually have positive alterations in certain brain structures. So this can even improve memory function and cognitive control. Think about active recovery for concussions. That's very interesting and has a lot of implications for school as well. When I was in residency, there was a program for obese adolescents to meet and exercise together with our obesity clinic. I had one patient love it as she was walking with them and didn't feel self-conscious like she did in other activities. I, however, have not found similar programs in other locales that I have lived. Ultimately, I wonder if we could make more of an impact with these kids if there were more recreational programs and less uber-competitive programs, which seem to have taken over youth sports. Any thoughts on this? How about gym class? Does this seem to be make an impact? Well, first of all, I love that you participated in such a cool program, Caitlin. The positive impact that programs such as this can have is monumental. There really needs to be more of them. So the barriers to physical engagement in our obese youth is complicated, and it can be overlooked. So physical barriers that may be unique to obese youth engaging in exertional activities include difficulty breathing, joint pain, chest discomfort, and general fatigue. And these are just a few. So lack of education about how or why one should engage in sports or fitness activities can lead to avoidance and insecurity. And there's interpersonal considerations, so such as perceptions of feeling judged, low self-esteem, believing they are not athletic in nature, having a lack of motivation, and other psychological factors such as depression and anxiety, which are far too common and can inhibit them from wanting to, you know, engage in physical activity. 
So this will break your heart, but a study found that in regards to physical activities, such as gym class in school, obese children were faced with verbal and physical bullying, social exclusion, and stereotyping on a regular basis. So at this point, all I know is that changes need to be made to help children and adolescents who are obese. They need to feel comfortable. And I think sports medicine physicians have a gigantic role in making this happen. Lots of things to think about for the future of sports medicine. Can you sum up the evidence for us on interventions for childhood obesity? So the 2019 Cochrane Review on Interventions for Preventing Obesity in Children is a really great resource. So it included 153 randomized controlled trials. The information wasn't very surprising, and the trials we had really were limited. And to be honest, it was kind of sad, the results. Among the studies, only a few were long-term, with less than 8% of the studies going on for more than two years. So we did see some trends across all age groups. So the use of dietary interventions alone failed to reduce BMI. Physical activity with or without dietary interventions are only modest at best. And we see a decrease in benefit from diet and exercise interventions from the ages of 5 to 13. Well, this certainly seems to be a frustrating problem. Is there a role for pharmacological therapy in the treatment of obesity in children? So obvious prevention and lifestyle interventions are the best course of action. And the efficacy for medication used for childhood obesity has been very unimpressive. So Orlistat is the only medication currently approved by the FDA for the treatment of obesity in adolescents. Metformin has been approved for type 2 diabetes in children 10 years and older, but when it comes to weight loss, the results really just are not promising. What about surgical intervention? So there's been an increase in the number of bariatric surgical procedures in adolescents, but despite this, bariatric surgery is infrequently performed in this population. A large prospective study sponsored by the NIH called the Teen Longitudinal Assessment of Bariatric Surgery found bariatric surgery to be safe and effective in adolescents with severe obesity. The American Society of Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery has guidance on how to select adolescents for bariatric surgery, as there is a lot of criteria to meet before considering this as a treatment option. What do you think of counseling? Has this been included in any comprehensive management strategies? Is there a role for this in certain populations? So the USPSDF found that comprehensive intensive behavioral interventions with a total of 26 contact hours resulted in weight loss. Interventions of more than 52 hours showed even more improvement, but that's a lot to ask of patients and families. So these interventions were provided by pediatricians, exercise physiologists, physical therapists, dietitians, psychologists, social workers, and other behavioral specialists. The interventions varied, but the most common behavioral strategies included sessions involving the parent alone, child alone, and those together. So family and group sessions about exercise, nutrition, understanding food labels, and the need for limiting sedentary activities were all used. So facilitating goal setting, self-monitoring, and problem-solving activities, in addition to providing supervised instructional physical activity sessions, were also included. Overall, there is a lot that we can do. We still have a lot of questions that need to be answered and a long way to go, but I believe that sports medicine clinicians should consider applying changes with every family at every visit. Thanks so much for sharing your knowledge with us, Dustin. I'd like to thank you for taking the time for this discussion and the AMSSM as well for giving us this platform for discussing this topic. I think this is a problem we see very commonly in musculoskeletal medicine, 
but has not been seen traditionally to be in the scope of the sports medicine. As it is now so prevalent and likely increasingly so, I will be interested to see how the sports medicine community becomes involved in managing this condition, as I do think that our community has a lot to offer this population. Dusty, your scope impresses me. You seem to have so much knowledge in so many topics in sports medicine, childhood obesity, and eating disorders. It is incredible that you have managed to learn all of these things and incorporate them into your academic sports medicine practice. Thanks again. If people have further questions on this topic or others you are involved in, is there a way for people to contact you? Of course. Check out our show notes. It has all my contact information down there, Twitter feed, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. It's been wonderful chatting with you and the AMSSM community.